0: You're welcome. <laughs> I was just uh, yesterday, it dawned on me that tomorrow was Father's Day, and so I said, let me go find the stupidest video that I can. And uh, that was produced by the skit guys. If you had never seen their stuff, uh, they're, they're pretty good. So, happy Father's Day. Uh, I'm excited to be here again today. Um, it's a little awkward for me because Glenn's sitting here judging me. Not really. Not really. Uh, I am excited uh, to be with you guys here again uh, this week. So, um th- last week we we looked at the story of the good samaritan and and so we looked at a lot of different things and one of the things that I mentioned was um Jesus first of all he he said to me all week look at me look at what I'm doing know me through this passage okay um one of the things that I kind of brought out of there was that when things are really getting good with God when you when you seem to really things are getting synced up Satan tries to jump in and distract us so I wanted to just start off this morning by telling y'all um uh, a brief version of a long story. Wednesday night, we were having a youth group, um, and we get there, and it was a much smaller crowd than normal, which is really exciting to me because um, it's easier to, to teach in a smaller setting. Um, about half the kids that were there were ones we have a really good long relationship with. We had a couple of new guys, and that's awesome. Uh, the, the, the story last week for them was going to be on um, the... Uh, crap I can't think of the 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 father with two sons the the, um prodigal prodigal son thank you brain fart it happens um so so I'm excited about the story because it's a really great way we've been trying to help the kids understand that that what we do doesn't make us good or bad in God's eyes and so I'm excited about teaching the story I get there and there's a small group of kids I'm like oh man this is gonna be good tonight it's well, I'm going to be able to really connect with these. It was a, it was a group of four guys. I was like, man, I'm going to be able to connect with them, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're, we, we start our basketball game, and since there was only, um, uh, well, when we first started, there was only three guys, so I was playing ball with them, and I was really glad that something happened because they were wearing me out. Um, and so we're playing ball, and, and, and it, I noticed an adult come in, and that's not uncommon. A lot of times, especially when we have new kids show up, their parents will show up from time to time to just, check in and and see where the kids are and what they're doing so this this guy comes in and I see Bethany talking to him and so, you know we went and somebody made a shot and I went to go take the ball out uh and I notice that now Bethany's arm movements are being exaggerated I can tell by our body language that something's not right and so I walk over and as I get there the the man raises his voice at Bethany and so you know husband mode kicks in and I step between them and and um long story short, I, I finally got the guy to leave, but it, 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 didn't happen until after there was a lot of yelling and a lot of cursing on his behalf, not mine. Um, thought I should clarify that. Um, and, and so he finally leaves and, um, because of, he was threatening one of the young children because that kid supposedly beat up his nephew. I don't know. It was, it was ridiculous. So, um, he was, he lives in one of the trailers over here and it's just the way he interacted with us uh, he had a lot of alcohol in his breath we decided that the best option was to call the sheriff's office and let them the guy was claiming to be uh, an APD officer that's important for you to know um, but he, he wouldn't produce a badge um, and so I tell you all that to say that man it, so God set the stage for things to be really good that night and Satan tries to jump in there and, and mess that up and so the sheriff's deputies come over. Um, the guy ends up getting arrested. He had multiple warrants out for his arrest. He was not, in fact, an APD officer, as he claimed, uh, which was not a big shocker. But I, I was telling Glenn this morning, you know, when you first look at that situation, you go, man, God had this all set up and Satan ruined it. But then we, we, we took it a little further. Bethany and I, before we left, we said, hey, let's sit everybody down. Let's explain what just happened. And so, because when the, when the sheriff's deputies pulled up immediately all the kids were like oh let the popos run no don't run you haven't done anything wrong so we sat them down we explained to them the sheriff's deputies came because this man was threatening some of you guys and we called them so that they could come and protect you guys and take care of you and so they got to see a couple of things number one when the police show up it's not always a bad thing but then number two Bethy and i and this church have their backs we're gonna protect them i don't know if what the guy was saying was accurate or not it didn't matter at that point his interaction with the children and with us was inappropriate and, so, or inappropriate and so we called the sheriff's deputies and, and they came and, and took care of things for us. And then after the, the kids left, um, the deputies came back to Bethany and I to get um, you know, our statements or whatnot. And they brought in a, a big old case of Girl Scout cookies. We're like, can y'all give these to the kids? We're not going to eat these. And like, yeah, okay. So taking a step back, we can still look at this, this night and go, wow, look what God just did. In the midst of Satan trying to mess stuff up, God was still able to, to teach these kids about who he was. So, man, that is a real aspect of our lives. And, I, and, and it happens here on Sunday mornings, too. Um, it can come in the form of your bladder swelling Uh, or getting a cell phone call, but God, when we come in on Sunday mornings, he has a word for us, and he brings us together to learn from him, and so we have to be on guard to not be distracted by the things that Satan's trying to put in our way. And even when he does, even when Satan does distract us, God can still redeem that and make something good out of it. So we looked at Jesus and his interaction with the lawyer, okay? Jesus is celebrating because the 72 had just come back in. He is rejoicing over them to God, and, and Glenn talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And in the, in the midst of that, a lawyer stands up and, and tries to start an argument with Jesus. And we talked about how Jesus did not argue back, how um, Jesus disarms the lawyer in terms of taking away his ability to argue over the theology, Jesus takes it from a theological debate and turns it into a, a personal reflection, okay? And, and we talk about as we move into new understandings that it's going to maybe ruffle the feathers of the people that we do life with. Um, or maybe it will cause them to ask questions about why we are doing things the way we're doing. And a lot of times that's an opportunity for us to, to let them see what God is doing in our lives. I thought about this this week as I was prepping and it, it's kind of like a roundabout. Everybody know what a roundabout is? Okay, it's like a small version of a traffic circle. Everybody knows what the traffic circle is. As we're going through that abiding cycle and we're sharing that, our life with people, they get to kind of jump in at a point and ride that cycle with us, and then they exit out. But for that brief moment, we get to share our story with them, and they get to actually be a part of that experience and see what God's doing. So it's, it's important that we share those stories and we talk about what's going on, Okay. We talked about that Jesus used a known event, something that was happening right there in that moment to help communicate truth. The story of the Good Samaritan was something that, that I believe happened uh, in recent history during that time because it, it was something that was a, a, a topic of discussion. Okay? And we talked about how gentle Jesus was as he handled the lawyer, as he helped him move from one thought into a new, uh, as he changed his understanding of what it meant to be a neighbor. Okay, And so today we're going to look at the story of, of Mary and Martha. Um, and just like last week, I want to ask you guys to kind of just set aside what you, what you think you know about this passage. Um, this and Again, this week, as I looked at it, you know the thoughts of things that I've taught before uh, were in, in the forefront of my mind. And, and I want us to, to be able to take a fresh look and to say... What, what do we see about Jesus in this passage that we haven't seen before? How does he handle Martha and Mary? What are Martha and Mary experiencing as they are doing life with Jesus? Okay, so my goal for us today is to, to find ourselves in the story and to identify with, with either Mary or Martha and then put that in our lives and, and see how Jesus wants to deal with us and how he wants to, to help us to discover what it means to love him and to serve him. So, we're going to be looking today at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. If you want to open your Bible, you can, or it's going to be up on the screen. Uh, And this comes in sequential order in Luke, right after the story of the Good Samaritan. So, it says in 38, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. All right, so let's, let's look at the scene. They're just outside of Jerusalem. They come into the town of Bethany. That's the village that's referenced there. Okay, Jesus has got his boys with him, got his crew, like he always does. All right. And they come into Bethany, and what we already know about Jesus' ministry, um, and what we can tell based on Martha's reaction to things is that, that Jesus shows up unannounced. Okay. Remember the instructions that Jesus gives to the twelve and the seventy-two. This is out of Luke 10, verses 4 through 8. He says, Carry no money bag What's Martha doing? What's going on with Martha in this story? Because I don't I don't believe that Martha, you know, she a lot of times gets villainized. You know, like Martha's the bad one in the story. Don't be Martha, be Mary. Okay? But let's let's think about what's happening with Martha. I want you to imagine for a moment with me. You're at your house, it's a Saturday afternoon, having a nap or something, hanging out, maybe you mowing the grass, and thirteen grown men show up at your house, and they're expecting two things. They're expecting a meal and they're expecting a place to sleep for the night. Now, I don't know about you guys. First of all, I don't have a place for 13 grown men to sleep in my house. That's going to be an issue. And I probably don't have enough food on hand that I can cook a meal big enough for 13 grown men to eat. Would you agree with that? Would you also agree, especially ladies, because it, in their culture it was the ladies' responsibility, that when those 13 men showed up, that it would be a little bit stressful? Can we agree to that? Okay. So Martha is here in her house, she's hanging out, all these men show up, and, and, and because of Martha's reaction and her, her hurriedness and how much she's moving around, I think she's surprised by it, okay? This reminds me of the, the scene from Twister. Has anybody in here seen Twister or am I too old for that? Okay, do you, know, you remember the scene where all of the, the storm chasers are in the kitchen and uh, it, it, they're all eating, and they're cooking steak and eggs. I hope you aren't hungry, because it's going to make you more hungry. And one of the guys goes, Aunt Meg, this is a lot of beef. Where would you get all this beef? And Aunt Meg said, you see the cow out back? And he's like, no. Oh. Okay? That, that scene, when I'm thinking about this story and all of the disciples coming in, and, and Jesus and the disciples are the only one that, that are mentioned. It doesn't, doesn't say if there were other people that, that came along with them, but what we do know is that all of a sudden there's a ton of people in Martha's house and I think for me and I think for you we can begin to sense the frustration and the anxiety and the stress that that Ma, that Martha is experiencing and I think we start to understand why Martha is is feeling the way towards Mary that she's feeling okay so Martha a lot of times I'll look at this I'll, I'll look at this passage and, and I just kind of glaze over it yeah understand that don't we Martha be Mary, sit at Jesus' feet, got it, move on, okay? But Martha is serving out of necessity, okay? What I, what I hadn't seen before is that Martha is not doing all this because, just because she wanted to, but because culturally it was required of her. Martha owned the house. The men showed up. The visitors showed up, whether it was men or not. And it was her responsibility to feed this group of men, okay? Jesus and his disciples needed a, a, a meal, They need a place to sleep for night, and they're probably going to need breakfast in the morning. I don't know that, but I would assume if you spend the night at my house, you're also going to get breakfast, okay? So there you go, all right? Ministry, in its simplest definition, just means to meet needs, okay? So Martha is ministering to Jesus and the disciples. She is meeting the immediate needs that they have. They need a meal. They need a place to sleep. Now, we don't know what else Martha is going about doing in her house. It doesn't tell us doesn't give us a list but what we do know is that there's a meal to be prepared possibly two and she's got to figure out where to put all these men okay so Martha is ministering so what is Mary doing all right it says in in verse 39 and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching okay so I'm looking at this passage and I'm saying all right what is what is what is Mary's what is Mary's thing? What is she doing right now? The Greek word in there is called akouo, and it means to listen with intention. Okay? It's more than just Mary's not reclining. She's not just chilling. Mary is, is actively engaged and in listening to what Jesus is saying. Okay? So Jesus shows up to, to stay. He and all his guys are with him. Okay? They, they, they sit down. About what they're talking, we don't know. The story doesn't tell us that. But whatever it is, whatever the conversation is, it's important enough that Mary wants to sit and be a part of that. She wants to hear about what's going on, okay? Imagine with me, you're at your sibling's house. A bunch of people show up. Jesus is one of them, okay? What's your initial reaction? Do you want to go hang out with Jesus or do you want to go cook supper? Which camp do you fall in? Me, I fall in the, I want to go cook supper camp, okay? That's where I fall because I love food and for me, there's no better way to invite someone into your home than to cook them a really good, satisfying meal. I mean, we're in Louisiana. Come on. That's just part of the, it's part of the culture, right? Okay. So and Bethany and I, as a matter of fact, remodeled our house so that we could visit and cook at the same time. Like, if you've been in our house, it's an open floor plan. So, like, you can be in the kitchen and the living room at the same time. Okay. It's just, that's, that's how we do life. All right. Mary was in the visit camp. Okay. She wants to just sit down and all her focus be on what is Jesus talking about? What do I, I, man, I want, to just, I want to just know this man. He's incredible. That's where Mary falls. All right? Mary just wants to spend time with Jesus and just soak up whatever she can. So what's Jesus doing? Okay? So again, the scripture doesn't tell us exactly what's taking place. I think it's safe to assume that the disciples are sitting down and they're discussing the day. What happened? If the story happens in perfect sequential order, they may be discussing the conversation that Jesus had with the lawyer. They're probably going, wow, what just happened here? This guy showed up, you know, and lawyers were professional arguers, and Jesus just shut him down, and he killed the argument. So they're probably debriefing about that, but regardless of the topic, it's clear here that Jesus is, is teaching, okay? That is the understanding, is that there is a moment of instruction happening, and Mary wants to 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 listen in on that, okay? So what do For me, I'm looking at this passage and I say, okay, what do we we learn about what Jesus is trying to communicate to us in this passage? First point would be this. Culture is going to put requirements on us that Jesus does not. Okay? We, like Martha, become distracted by good cultural things. Things that are culturally relevant or culturally required. Okay? This falls in two realms. The first is the personal realm. Okay? In terms of... um, we talk about all the time about setting the table for Jesus. Y'all have heard that term before, when you, when you go to sit down and have time with the Lord, and you set the table. And what that is supposed to mean is getting your heart right and, and being prepared. But what that turns into is setting the table for ourselves. I'll share some personal examples. When I sit down, I'm going to spend time with Jesus in the morning, I need, I need my cup of coffee. Okay. Now I'm talking about like a Mr. Coffee drip machine. And we ain't even talking about that, you know, grind it to this size and pack it just right and then pour it over it, water it to 147 and a half degrees. I'm not we're not even we're not even talking about that. We just pour the water in the top and let it do its thing. Okay, so I gotta have my coffee. I gotta have my devices. You know, I don't I used to use a journal, I'm beyond that now. You know, I got an iPad. I'm cool. Gotta get all my devices out, make sure everything's charged up. If they're not, I gotta go deal with that. All right. I've got to make sure that I've got uh, you know, the right music in my ears and that the, the house is quiet and just the right lights are turned on. What, what happens is we, we spend more time setting the table for us because the coffee, the lights, the music, the device, that's all about me. None of that's about Jesus. Okay? So if you, if you spend more time fixing your coffee than you are with Jesus, then you're doing it wrong. Okay? If you spend more time setting the table for yourself than you do with Jesus, you're doing it wrong. You follow me? Okay. Okay. So that's on a personal level, and I think sometimes we don't, we don't consider how much time we're taking doing all those little things to try to make that moment just right for us, all right? And then there's the social realm. There's the big things in our lives that culture says you need to have this in order to, to, to be in the right place. It might be having the right house in the right location. You know, I've, I have said, and I've had other people say to me before, you know, I, I'd host a life group, but my house is too small, and, and I live too far away. You know, culturally, you're supposed to have this big, nice house. It's supposed to be close to town. I don't meet those criteria. And, and some of you guys don't either. But do, do either one of those things matter? Jesus, when he went to, to the city of Bethany, he was just traveling through. That just happened to be where Martha's house was. And Martha's house was not big, I would imagine. Okay? Um, and there, there, there's a few other things, you know, like are your kids in the right activities? And is your lawn manicured just right? Culturally, those things are really important. In the spiritual realm, not so much. I believe Jesus is showing that we, that we need to learn the difference between what is necessary or what is, what is wanted and what is needed. Martha is struggling between her cultural obligations to be a proper host and wanting to be with Jesus too. I think if they were in a different situation, if they weren't in Martha's house, that Martha would be right next to Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, but because they were in Martha's house, Martha had the cultural obligation to prepare the meal and to prepare the home, okay? So Martha's not just upset because she's having to do all the work. She wants to be with Jesus too, but she can't because of the cultural obligations, and she went too far by moving beyond what was necessary into what was nice, okay? Okay? Jesus said we only need a couple of things, but Mary wanted, she wanted things to be right. And culturally, that's the way we do it. When somebody's coming over to visit, you get your house clean, you get the, you know, the, the meal started, and you got everything set up just right so that when people come in, they're walking into a welcoming, welcoming environment, okay? All Jesus said uh, that was required was it something to be provided? In Luke 10, he says, eating and drinking whatever they provided. That's the only stipulation he gave. He didn't say it had to be a three-course meal. Just give them something to eat. Second thing, we put requirements on others that Jesus does not. Martha wanted Mary's actions to mirror her own. Okay? Martha wanted some help. There's nothing wrong with wanting help. Nothing at all. Okay? Except... That in this case, she wanted Mary to leave her time with Jesus to help her cook a meal and to do the things that she was taking care of. Just because someone isn't doing something just like you would doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. I'm going to let that sink in for just a minute. Just because someone isn't doing something just the way you would do it doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. Uh Keaton introduced me a couple years ago, this guy, Wrangler Star, it's a YouTube channel, and this guy calls himself a modern homesteader, and I really enjoy his stuff, but he, he uses a word and it annoys the heck out of me, and the word is proper, okay? He'll say, this is the proper way to sharpen an axe, okay? The reason that that irritates me is because it, to me, the way I interpret the word, it makes an assumption that the person that is using the word is the sole authority on the subject at hand. Does that make sense to y'all? Okay, so when Wrangler Star says this is the proper way, in my mind he's saying the way I am doing it is the only way that it can be done. Now, Wrangler Star is an awesome dude. He's a believer. He's got an incredible YouTube channel. If you like homesteading stuff, you'll love it, okay? But that one little thing annoys me just a little bit, okay? Mary was upset with Martha for not fulfilling her cultural obligations of being a proper host. Okay, you see what I did there? Martha thought that she had the right answer. Culturally, this is what we're supposed to do. Is there value in being a good host? Yes, absolutely. If you need help learning how to be a good host, Talitha, I think, has written a manual. Okay? You can go see her. If she hasn't written a manual, she can tell you. All right? There was discussion about that at one point. That's the only reason I'm bringing it up. All right? There's value in being a good host. That's important. Okay? But that's where we have to, to watch out for legalism because what will happen if we're not careful, is we'll turn a cultural expectation into a religious requirement. And we see that happen in the church so often. Things that culturally are relevant or required, we'll take that, and the Pharisees did the same thing, and we'll say, when somebody shows up, you've got to have a meal prepared for them. And instead of that just being a cultural expectation, it becomes a requirement. And we put ourselves, we jump through all these hurdles when it's not necessary, and Jesus certainly isn't calling us to do that. Martha was doing all this stuff because she felt like she had to. She thought that it was what was required of her. How often do we get um, upset because other people aren't doing what they think they ought, what we think other people uh, ought to? We we look at the supposed tos and we get upset when other people don't follow suit. Satan is so good at distracting us with the ought-tos, okay? He takes those ought-tos and he changes them into have-tos. And then we get bound up in, in the ought-tos and the things that are really important we forget about because we're all caught up in the ought-tos, and the things that will be nice, okay? So Martha petitions Jesus to get Mary's help. Have you ever complained to God because somebody wasn't doing what you thought they ought to do? Think about that for a minute. Have you ever been, uh, of course it would never happen at this church, but have you ever been in a church where you feel like you're the only one carrying the load and you're looking at all the other people going, man, I wish they'd help out, I wish they'd do a little bit. I think we've all been there at one point, okay? Just because Jesus has called me to do something doesn't mean he's also called everyone else to do that something as well says in scripture that we're all part of the body we all have our purpose and we have to be so careful to not put our calling on somebody else's head because it's not their responsibility unless jesus told them to do it it ain't theirs to do okay i have a um a buddy of mine he was in a, a church position He was a worship pastor and he was miserable okay and we were talking about it one day and i said man did god call you there he's like well dude i saw the job come up and i got all the skills necessary to do the job so yeah no <laughs> No, you missed it, man. Just because you can do something does not mean God is calling you to do that something. It may be that he's calling somebody who has no clue how to do it and what he wants is for that person to learn something. Sometimes we do things God hasn't called to and then we're miserable and we complain to God and God's like, hey, I never told you to do that. I didn't put that on you. You put that on yourself. So here's the deal. The disciples needed to eat. Most of us in America don't cook like they did back in those days. All right, there's no hot pockets in the freezer back in those days. Okay, makes me think of Jim Gaffigan. There we pocket. There's no no macaroni in the cabinet. Okay, literally everything was made from scratch. If they want a loaf of bread, go grind some. They may have their flour ground already. I don't know about that. Probably. But you've got to go mix that up. You've got to get the yeast in it, get the starter in there, let it rise. Otherwise, you're having bread. okay? If you're going to have some vegetables, you've got to go clean those, cook them, stew them, prepare them. Even if Martha had done the simplest meal possible, it was still going to require her some time. It was still going to require her some work, okay? Martha had a lot of work to do. She assumed, based on culture, that Mary was required to help her. In their Jewish culture, the women did the cooking and the preparing of the meals, okay? She assumed, based on the fact that Mary was her sister, that she would be required to help her. But Jesus didn't have those, require, those requirements. Third point is Jesus responds with gentleness and empathy, okay? Here's what I love about this story. I'm looking at Jesus' response, okay? And I love the way he says this. Jesus understands what's going on with Martha, she understand, he understands why she feels the way she feels and why she's doing the things that she's doing. And so Jesus doesn't get angry with Martha, okay? He addresses her feelings. He says her name twice, and I think that's to show tenderness and compassion. He says, and I read it that way a while ago, he says, Martha, Martha. You ever been in an argument with your, with your spouse and, and, and you're trying to de-escalate things and you say their name and they don't really pay her? Martha. I think that's what's going on here. I think Jesus... Martha. I I saw that on TV one time. That's never happened in my house. Except I'm the one going, ah, talk to me. Jesus understands what Martha is going through. He understands her frustration. He knows that she feels culturally obligated. He knows why she thinks Mary ought to be helping her. Okay? Okay? He doesn't get angry with her he acknowledges her feelings okay he understands how we feel when we go before god and we're like god i'm so frustrated about this he gets it and he goes will will listen to me listen to me okay jesus understands how we feel he says look you're worried about all these things you got all these things going on. And he says many things. That's the word that's used there. You're, you're worried and you're anxious about many things. And he says, but only one thing is needed. In the ESV, they leave out a Greek word that I think is important. And it, it's pronounced oligon. And it means few. Okay? The NIV picks up on this concept, but it's not picked up on in the ESV. What, what Jesus is saying to Mary is, you're worried about all of these things. Only a few are necessary to eat and to sleep, but only one is needed, and that's to be with me. And he says, that's what Mary has chosen, and I'm not going to take that away from her. So Jesus, he talks to Martha in a very a very empathetic tone, and he explains to Martha where she's missed it, okay? She calls her into correction for her own benefit so that she can quit worrying about all this extra stuff that doesn't matter, Okay? He wanted Martha to have the same opportunity as Mary. He's saying to Martha, come and sit with me as well. You are so consumed with all of these things, Mary is not. And I want you to come, just do only the thing that's needed. Come sit with me. You know, I wonder if Martha maybe hadn't heard or had forgotten that Jesus can take a couple of fish and a couple of loaves and feed thousands of people, okay? But we forget too. We forget that when we get in in places in our life where we're frustrated because things aren't going the way we think they ought to go, that God has the power to go, boop, fixed. And we rush around, we try to take care of everything ourselves, okay? Jesus recognized that there's only a couple of things that needed to be done, okay? He knows a meal's got to be prepared, all right? And his correction isn't so much about the meal preparation as it is about Martha's attitude toward Mary's desire to be with Jesus. That's what he's really addressing because the, the words that Mary uses uh, in the Greek, when you look at it, it says moodily, okay? She is moody. <laughs> she is upset with Martha because dang it, Martha's not helping me. And Martha, I mean, Mary needs to help me. Mary's not helping me. Jesus tells her that while there are needs, none of them trump her need to sit at his feet. And he's not going to ask Mary to give that up either. Last thing, Jesus will defend our desire to sit at his feet. Our religious culture has placed a huge emphasis on service, about missions and about serving other people and going out of our way to love them. And while service is needed at times, it is not the most important thing. If we don't learn to sit at Jesus' feet, we're going to miss it when it comes to service. We might do service. My wife's taking a picture of me. What's going on? Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry, distracted me. Our religious culture places emphasis on service. Okay? Jesus, we got all these people here. Make something happen. Have you ever been in an event like that? If you hadn't been in church leadership, you may not have experienced that. Bethany and I can remember before we'd be involved in these big, you know, elaborate things, programs, and we get there and everything's, you know, we got a lot of people there. We gathered up a huge crowd and we're like, all right, Jesus, we got all these people here. Make something happen. Let's do something for Jesus. And, and we're missing it, okay? Mary, he says, has chosen the good portion. And that's a reference to food, which points out that Martha, to Martha's business about being the meal being prepared. It says in, in Psalm sixteen five, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. That's what Jesus is referring to when he says, Mary has chosen the good portion. She's chosen to come, like her food is me. She's chosen to sit at my feet. All right. So Mary has placed her opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet over the need for a meal. Consider this. If Jesus had asked Mary for anything, glass of water, would she have gotten it? Absolutely. Just like that. Mary, can you go get me a loaf of bread? Absolutely. Just like that. She'd have known that he wanted it because she's sitting at his feet and she's listening and she's paying attention. There is a time to serve, but it's always after Jesus shows where it's needed. Always after. Jesus does want us to serve him, okay? But not until we have spent time with him. The title of today's sermon is that Jesus desires us over our service, and it's because Jesus is more concerned with our relationship with him than he is about the things that we can do for him. How will we know how to serve and when to serve and where to serve if we haven't asked Jesus what he wants and then paid attention to what he said so that we can know what he's doing and we can join in? When I was about my boy's age, about eight years old, um, I would go to work with my dad a lot. He worked at Petron, same place I work now. And we went to this gas station It was having a lot of different issues and so there were multiple guys working and so I'm beside dad and he's working on something in an electrical panel. You know, where all the power comes into the building. You know, it's one of those, it's hot, and if you touch the wrong thing, you can die. You know, one of those situations. And my job, I had been training for this my whole life, okay? My job is to hold the flashlight and to hand Dad the tools. And so we're working, and Dad's in the box doing his thing, and he'd reach his hand down. He wouldn't even take his, hand, his face off the box. He'd reach his hand down, and I'd take the tool he had and hand him another tool, and he'd use it. And then when he needed a different one, he'd hand it down, and I'd hand him the next one. And, and one of the guys walks up, and is like, how's he doing that? And dad's like, how's he doing what? He said, how does your boy know what tool you need? And dad said, because he's paying attention. Right? That's how our relationship with God is supposed to work. My dad didn't have to say I need a Phillips screwdriver because I could see what he was doing. And I knew the next thing he needed was a Phillips screwdriver. Because I had been sitting at my dad's feet my whole life with him going, no, son, I need the Phillips screwdriver. Does that look like a flathead screw to you? No, it's not. I need the, okay. So I had had eight previous years of that, okay? And now we're at the point where dad doesn't even have to say anything because if he has to open his mouth, he's going to fuss at me. So I'm going to make sure you got the right screwdriver, okay? Jesus is not going to fuss at us, but hear me, church. When we sit at Jesus' feet like Mary did and we pay attention to what he's doing and what he's saying, when the opportunity for service comes, we already know. We see it when it's on the way, just like I see where my dad's eyes are going. I know the next thing he needs a Phillips, I'm handing him that Phillips because I can see what's happening in the next next part of that project jesus when we sit at his feet he's not having to go oh hey will go over here and do this because i'm at his feet i see what he's doing jesus says i don't do anything on my own but i do what i see the father doing i join him that's the relationship that's modeled between jesus and god for us to also see is that when we sit at Jesus' feet just like jesus looks at god and goes oh god's doing this And he's going to walk over over here and he's going to have this conversation with a guy who's trying to argue with him when he's talking to the lawyer. Jesus knew God's working in this guy's life already. And God wants us to be able to sit at Jesus' feet and pay attention and listen to what's going on so that when the time comes and there's an opportunity for service, we don't have to wonder, are we supposed to do this? We already know because we're paying attention. If I'd have been on that job site just running around doing stuff, first of all, it drove my dad crazy. Okay. Second of all, I had no idea what the end goal was. I didn't know what all the problems were. I didn't know what all needed to be fixed. But I did know what tool my dad needed. And so I sat at his feet and I did that. When we just run around just doing stuff for God, we don't know what the end goal is. We don't know what God's trying to do in our life. We don't know what God's trying to do in the people that that are around us, the community that God has placed us in, the people that we do life with. If we're not communing with God, if we're not spending that time with Jesus at his feet, listening and saying, what are you doing, God? Show me what to do. Then we're going to miss it and we're just running around. And what we end up doing is just wearing ourselves out. If you find yourself in that place, Glenn wrote a really good book called Busy and Empty. Check it out, okay? it get you out of that dead religion of just doing stuff for God because God doesn't need us to just do stuff. It's only by sitting at Jesus' feet that we know what he wants. There's people in our lives who either haven't learned how to listen to God or have learned and have chosen not to. And they're going to try to put requirements on us. They're going to try to convince us or manipulate us into doing um, what they say and what they think is right. Don't let them do it. Don't let me do that. Don't let Glenn do that. That's why when we, you know, for months we've been saying we need help with the children, but ask God. Because we don't, we don't want just anybody there, okay? And just so you know, God has called somebody. Rachel came. Rachel Austin came Wednesday night. There was only like three kids there. We're like, <laughs> this is funny because normally you have like 20 little kids and there's only three. But it was a good, it was a good first time for Rachel because it was a little crazy, all right? I was glad we didn't have so many kids, all right? But pay attention. When somebody asks you to do something, our response always needs to be, let me talk to Jesus about that. Would love to help you, but let me ask Jesus first and see what he says. What that's going to do is it's going to protect us from not being culturally right in in terms of in our culture. If somebody says, hey, I need help, you say, sure, I'll help you. i got the skill set for that. But that gets us in trouble. Culture is going to try to dictate um, the way that we handle life. Don't let culture dictate the way you handle life. Y'all, we've experienced this in our church. When we start hearing from the Lord and he starts telling us to do certain things, it weirds people out in our lives because we're making decisions that are kind of off of our cultural main. You follow me? We, we make decisions like, I'm going to leave this job that pays me really well and be a stay-at-home mom. Culture's going, what? That doesn't make any sense. you got plenty of money to pay for daycare. Yeah, I do. But that's not what God's called me to do. Don't let culture sway you into not listening to God or doing what he's telling you to do. Jesus wants us to sit at his feet and to know him and to join in with what he is doing. He doesn't want us just wandering around aimlessly doing this over here and that over there and then getting frustrated when nobody's helping us and then praising us for how hard we tried when we were doing a really good job. Jesus would much rather spend time with us and love us and out of that relationship have us serve him based on what we know and experience. In our story of Mary and Martha, Martha is trying to do her best. That's where, we find, that's where I find myself. Is I'm, I'm, I have a lot of... Uh, uh, what's the, the, the saying, Keaton? Uh, master of none. What's the rest of that? Um, okay. Jack of all trades, master of none, that's me. I know just enough about a lot of things to get myself in trouble, okay? I got a lot of skill sets. I can do a lot of things. But if I just walk around just offering to just do stuff for people all the time, then I'm, I'm worn out and I, I got nothing going on, nothing of any value, okay? That's where Martha found herself. She knew exactly what to do. She knew what to cook. She knew how to get the table set just right. She knew how to lay the house out. And she's worried about all those things when only one thing was really important. And that was to sit at Jesus' feet. Culture tried to push her around. Martha tried to push Mary around. Martha tried to to manipulate Jesus into fussing at Mary so Mary would come help her. We're surrounded by a culture that has all these good qualities. And they try to put that on us and say, this is how you're supposed to be. And Jesus is saying, man, just, just come sit at my feet. Just know me. Come listen to what I'm saying and let me show you what I need you to do let's pray. Father, I just, um, I thank you for the freedom that comes from being in a relationship with you and being able to just sit at your feet and know you. God, we live in a life that is, is just full of full of full of busy activity. Activity that wants to, to move us here and move us there And God, I thank you for such a good word today that only one thing is really necessary. One thing is required, and that's for us to just know you. Father, this week I ask that you would allow us to just rest in that truth, that the only thing that we need to do this coming week is to know you, is to prioritize our time with you, and then to be obedient to what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.